He is none other than Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I've been bringing a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to taste it later, too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> Could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what? expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt <laughs> karate expert. Black belt says it all. Matthew Perry. Our casting director said, "What about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor." And I said, "Okay, great. Someone tell me who he is." <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's Mere Days. Mere days now before the 2011 NFL Draft, we have the same amount of intrigue still surrounding Cam Newton. Is he who we think he is, or is he the next great thing since sliced bread to hit the quarterback market? Lots of uh, back and forth on Cam Newton in the last week. Warren Moon and uh, a scout for Pro Football Weekly saying that Cam's got a fake smile. There was so much back and forth on Cam Newton. Personally, I think he's going to be first overall to Carolina, but... Uh, we'll talk about that with Charles Davis, one of our draft experts, when he joins Kara Henderson in the Hot Topic segment on this show that's somewhat wide-ranging because this week also was the first legal shot fired, if you will. Uh, Susan Nelson, a federal judge in Minnesota, hearing the uh, antitrust case between the players and the league as well as the injunction that the players want filed by the judge against the lockout to open up things, uh, open business back up. Is it going to be as simple as the judge saying an injunction has been filed and I approve it and now we're no longer locked out and the 2011 season happens? Could it possibly be that simple? I doubt it, but we will, for the first time, have a lawyer on this podcast, Gabe Feldman of the Tulane uh, Law School. He's a sports law expert. He uh, has appeared many times on NFL Network and NFL Total Access. I'm going to have him on. Just bear with me because I want, by the end of that conversation, for you, the listener, to understand completely what's not only happening but what you can expect to happen. So uh, I'm going to give you the proverbial news you can use again, even though we're going to talk some legalese. But again, it's for anybody who is wondering how this legal stuff could wind up with a playing season or with a collective bargaining agreement. Give that one a listen. Dennis Quaid, the actor, he is going to appear on this podcast presented by Papa John's. He's in a movie called Soul Surfer about a young lady who uh, had a horrific accident on her uh, surfboard uh, a few years ago. A teenage girl, uh, Bethany Hamilton, who had her arm taken off by a shark. But that didn't stop her from still being the championship uh, surfer that she is. It's a, an uplifting story. Dennis Quaid, who's been in Any Given Sunday, Everybody's All-American, uh, Breaking Away, The Rookie, a lot of uh, The Express, a lot of sports movies Dennis has been in. He's a big-time Saints fan, from what I understand. He'll join me on this podcast as well. But we start the show off with a conversation I had with future Hall of Fame tight end Tony Gonzalez when he came into the NFL Total Access Studios this week. If you missed it, don't worry, we've got you covered. Here's now my conversation with TG from the ATL. 
In terms of tight ends, most career receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, 100-yard receiving games, Pro Bowl appearances, starts, 1,000-yard seasons. Tony Gonzalez, what have you not done, man? <laughs> I mean, it's a very impressive. But out of all of these things, though, I would say, for me, that after 12 years being traded for a second-round pick, because mm-hmm. you, you see guys who've been in the league five, six years, and they're for fourth, fifth-rounders. You played a dozen years, and you still had the value Mm-hmm. To be traded to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, have you have you had any moment to start thinking about this stuff <laughs> at all? Uh, yeah, you think about it, but at the same time, you, you say, "Well, I've worked hard, and and right. you know, whatever the the value they get for me, uh, hopefully it was worth it for them, and I know it was worth it for me because I love Atlanta." Right. And so, what about what about continuing on? What are your uh, thoughts here? Um, yeah, I want to. I definitely want to. Definitely continue. do. Yeah, because we're hearing we're hearing you 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 talking that if the lockout goes a certain length mm-hmm. of time. You would think otherwise. Well, that would be the only reason that I would would more than likely not come back. If we miss the whole season and I have to sit out a year, mm-hmm. I just think at, at 35, sitting out a whole year of football and wait for it to come back, I, I just don't know if, uh, if if my body could. I want to be smart about that, even though right. I feel great right now. Right. But I just I, – and I don't think it will get to that point. I, I, I know something not. will get resolved. Good Lord, I hope not. But what if, what if there are a few games missed? Mm-hmm. I, would you yeah, you'd stick around? Oh. So if, as long if there's football in 2011, you're playing. Oh, I'm playing. Is essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Why? Let's put it that way. Well, we got a good football team. Uh, uh-huh. That's that's the, the the first reason why. Uh, I, at the end of the season, I was looking at it, going, okay, I don't know if I'm going to retire or not. Uh, but when I looked at the season, you see the guys that are on that Atlanta Falcon football team, guys like Matt Ryan, guys like Roddy White, mm-hmm. John Abraham on defense. I can keep going. The list goes on and on. Michael Turner at running back. Right. Um, it's just a, a great opportunity to go out there and, and handle some unfinished business. I mean, we thought we had a shot this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Green Bay came came through and, and uh, got with us. But uh, well, I got with everybody. Well, they're the Super Bowl champions. Right, so, yeah. And we know that you know, we beat them earlier in the season. We know where we, how good we can be. And. And then the second reason, I guess, uh, is I feel good. I feel great right now, so right. I can go back and play another season. Right. What What about the lockout? How How are you uh, dealing with it right now? <laughs> and, and well, as far as I, I do the same thing, I always do it this time of year. I was never a, a guy that was back working out with the team during the off season. Okay. Remember, they are voluntary. You do not have to be there. Yes. Okay. And yeah, I volunteered well, not voluntary, to come. It's voluntary in quotes. In usually, quotes. usually that reads mandatory. But when, <laughs> but when you you're traded for second round pick after 12 years of a Hall of Fame career, yeah. it sort of dictate. But I'm, I'm also an old guy too. I, I know how to how to run a 10 yard out by now. So. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but so I work out a lot. Obviously, I'm not sitting back here relaxing either. I'm working. Right. Uh, um, you know, working out three, four times a week right now, playing basketball now, really getting into that more this, this offseason. So I'm ready to go whenever that call does how, come. How are you staying up on uh, lockout news? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you making calls? Do, 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 I just would love to know how is there a network that's going on amongst yeah. the players to, to stay up to date on what's happening? Right there now? is a network. Uh, I am on the email list. We get uh, direct emails from, from D. Uh, Maurice and Jason Belzer, uh, Tony Richardson. I talk to him all the time, uh, people that have been in those meetings. So I'm pretty knowledgeable about what's going on, and I have my opinions about what's going on. But, right. you know, the, the guys that are out there in, in D.C. or whatever it is uh, mm-hmm. getting, getting it all handled, uh, hopefully they're doing a good I think they're doing a good job. And what are your thoughts on, um, on players, rookies, who are going to go to Radio City Music Hall, uh, being a veteran of this game? Do, do you have an issue with these guys showing up to Radio City Music Hall? I, I can see why they want to do it. I don't have an issue with it. I mean, if, if that's what you feel you got to do, then go ahead and do it. But you have to understand that the the person that that you're going there with, I mean, the commissioner, and I and I love the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But remember, that's the one who's, who's trying to take away some money some, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, out of your pocket. Right. Um, you have to understand that. And it's a, it's a dicey game at best. I mean, what's going on right now with mm-hmm. this, this whole situation? And uh, a lot of it all comes down to money. I mean, it's just a simple fact that... that so the Falcons' first-round choice, if he shakes the commissioner's hand, will you have an issue with him? No, walking the not at all. Okay. Not at all. I would shake the commissioner's hand if I saw him. But right. you have to understand the situation, what's going on. Right. And... It, you hate. It's a bad situation for those guys to be put in that that type of situation. Right. I mean, because you know they didn't ask for this. I mean, it just just so happened the timing didn't work out well for him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think the the player side of it, we did mm-hmm. well. Instead of saying don't go there, it's just let's we'll have some events uh, around the, the the draft. Right. And allow those players to go to the draft, and they should enjoy it. I, I agree. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a good experience. I went. Back in '97, but it's not the end-all, be-all. When I was reading stories from off the internet or whatever from from fans or or from reporters saying you can't deny them mm-hmm. this experience, it's a good experience. But the real experience is out there on that field. The real experience is winning games with your teammates. Uh, out of the highlight of my career, the, mm-hmm. going to the draft is not at the top by the list by any means. Right. It's about it's winning games and. And doing the good stuff, which is playing football. And before I ask you about your your uh, off the field endeavors with uh, with your uh, supplements and things of that nature, your businesses, uh, what do you think? Will you be playing games this fall? From what you think, absolutely. You really think so? Absolutely. You really think that's going to happen? Absolutely. I mean, it would be. <laughs> we can we can all put our heads on the pillow tonight. I think so. I don't see why. To me, how stupid would that be on both sides if we couldn't come to some type of an agreement? <laughs> well, you said it. I mean, yeah. me, but I, you know, it, but you know, but I didn't think we'd be here. Did you think we'd be here? Yes, I did. You really we did. did. We have been preparing for this as players for the last two years. Okay, uh-huh. we have a lockout fund. We, this is we are extremely organized. Like I said, I am in the loop. There's a networking mm-hmm. for all the players to be involved and be up to date mm-hmm. on what's going on. So. This wasn't a surprise, okay, from the player's standpoint. Right. What, uh, so talk to me about your, your, your businesses. I, 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 you know, my hamstring was hurting the other day, <laughs> and I had some sort of, you know, some sort of, uh, what, APS bomb or something like yeah. that. It's, it's like ma- up. It's, it's magic. Up. Yeah, it's nice. It's one of the best I was able there. to run my 40. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, that's important. Tell me about allproscience.com. Well, all right now, obviously, we're going to our third year now, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just been skyrocketing. We're in Whole Foods in the southern region now. Mm-hmm. We have uh, almost 60 professional athletes, uh, 7,000 customers now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just on Amazon.com. We're in Lifetime Fitness and growing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about it. People are loving the products. Uh, you get them at allproscience.com. Uh, and if you type in the code 88, which okay. is my football number, yes, you, it is. That, uh, uh, you get 20% off. And, and, I, and like I said, I second the, the, the emotion on, on your products. And that's for free. You don't have to give me anything for I that. Appreciate it. It's for free. That's just the way I roll with you. That's why I love you. And that was Tony Gonzalez on NFL Total Access this week. All right, let's dive a little bit into the lockout right now. And that means legalese. Listen, I know few people want to hear this stuff, but anytime I've brought up the lockout, okay, whether it was interviewing Peter King after the decertification or replaying my near half hour conversation with Jeff Saturday last week about diving into the why we got here and where we're going to go. Every time I've, I've done this, it's been news that you can use. I want portable information for you listeners so you know what you're hearing and expecting uh, what you can expect. And for that aspect of things, we're going to go straight to uh, one of our legal experts here on NFL Network. He is uh, the uh, director of sports law at Tulane, at the Tulane uh, Law School. 
Uh, he's a sports lawyer. He's Gabe Feldman here on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. Did I get your Did I get your uh, shingle correct? You nailed it. Thank you very much. I have to make sure. How does one become a sports lawyer? Every lawyer I know is a sports junkie who wants to be in sports law. How do you do that? There are a lot of different ways to go about it. I mean, really what a sports lawyer is yeah. is just someone who has a client who's in the sports industry. That, and that, a lot of people can make claim to that. That's it? Well, I, I study sports law. I practiced sports law so for about go. five years at Williams and Connolly. Okay. And worked for the U.S. Olympic Committee, worked for a couple of leagues, worked for some athletes. And there are thousands of people out there who claim that they are sports lawyers. Right. But that may just mean they have one sports client. What I do now is study broadly sports law, which looks at all the intellectual property issues that come up with television rights, and mm-hmm. media rights, then all the antitrust and labor issues that come up in something like this. So it's, believe me, most of the students who come into my office want to be sports lawyers, but most of them don't even know what that means. Okay. That's so part of my job. let's get macro then. Let me, now, that, now that you explain this, let's get macro. Because we're hearing that uh, hoops, NBA is going to have a lockout maybe. The Major League Baseball uh, collective bargaining agreement is up at the end of this year. And th- there's no guarantee that there's not going to be a labor uh, stoppage there. Why is this all happening I mean, is it just a, why is why is everyone having so much trouble splitting up billions upon billions of dollars right now, Gabe? Well, I think you hit it right there. It, it's now become a billion dollar business, and it, it's not new. I mean, the, these labor fights have been going on since sports unions have existed. Mm-hmm. The timing now is just uh, sort of dumb luck that all the CBAs and all the sports are expiring at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look back at the history of sports labor negotiations. We have strikes, we have lockouts, we've got the decertification back in 1989. It's not new, it's just new that it's all happening right at the same time. Right, right. And do you think the fact that the NFL is going first in this is a disadvantage for all of us fans? Because uh, let's say this lockout goes on, knock on wood, not too much longer, but it goes on for, for a while and it even eats into the season, and then the NBA has it, don't you think that, that base, baseball would be less inclined to have a labor stoppage of their own after the entire sports community fandom of the United States gets sick of this? I think you might be right. I, I think baseball's in good shape. Uh, ironically, of all the sports, they've had the most trouble in the past with their labor negotiations, but, but they should get a deal done pretty quickly. Basketball, I think, is in the worst shape because they are more like hockey in 04. Mm-hmm. The owners there can claim that the system is broken because many owners are losing money. Um, and the NFL, they're in good shape. I mean, no one questions that the league is in shape. They're just trying to figure out how to divide up that $9 billion pie. Yeah. But the, the NFL is at a bit of a disadvantage because they are out front, and they're fighting the legal fights first. Mm-hmm. That will help dictate how the rest of the negotiations go. And so the NBA and the players in the NBA are just sitting there watching because this is really going to be a blueprint for what those guys do. All right, so let's get into this with the with the NFL now. Uh, what's this uh, What's this court case that uh, Susan Nelson, the federal judge in Minnesota? What is this all about? Let's give a primer to to some listeners right now. What are we what, What's happening on Wednesday, April sixth? Okay, let me try to simplify without oversimplifying. Sure. We know, based on what the Supreme Court ruled about 15 years ago in a case involving the NFL, that the players get to choose either labor law or antitrust law. If you choose labor law, you get a union and you get to collectively bargain. But you don't get access to antitrust law. So you can't challenge the rules you agreed to in the CBA. If you choose antitrust law, you give up your rights under labor law and you get to use antitrust law. Mm-hmm. Then you can sue the rules that are in place, put in place by the league. So that's what the players have at least attempted to do here. By decertifying their union, they've said, we choose antitrust law. We want to challenge the rules that the league might put in place. Remember what the league is, it's 32 individually owned teams coming together to reach agreements. Mm-hmm. 
And the owner's response is, look, we are still bargaining. You may call yourselves a trade association. You may say you have decertified, but that's a sham. At the end of the day, we're going to sit back down at the bargaining room, and we're going to reach a deal. And so a court shouldn't recognize that you've decertified your union, and they shouldn't allow you to gain access to antitrust law. So essentially what they're saying is you've still chosen labor law. You haven't actually chosen antitrust law. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen on Wednesday, where we actually are, is, as everybody knows, the owners lock the players out after the players had decertified their union. The players now claim, look, we get access to antitrust law. We are going to try to block that lockout, get an injunction from Judge Nelson by claiming that the lockout violates the antitrust laws. And then any rules the owners put in place, the players will also claim those violate the antitrust laws. And so the battle on Wednesday is whether, whether or not that lockout stays in place Right. while the, law, the rest of the lawsuit will still go on. So she hears arguments from both sides Wednesday, correct? Correct. Both sides. And now that the, the new class of plaintiffs that joined representing the retired players and, and some of the uh, prospective draftees uh-huh. will, will get a chance to make arguments, too. Similar issues. Right, but, but both sides get to get to argue. That the players will go first. The NFL will respond. Then the players will get a chance for a rebuttal. Will she and and she will ask questions of them. She will ask questions, and, and yeah, folks okay. like you will read into her line of questioning to see which way she's leaning based on what she's already received in written form over the past few weeks from both sides. Absolutely, and the benefit of of having this oral argument is that you get to focus the issues. And you get to say, look, we know what each side is arguing. We've seen their lengthy briefs. Now let's get down to it. Mm-hmm. And we should be able to learn a significant amount just by hearing the questions, by, by reading her body language, by seeing which side she focuses on more, and seeing which issues she focuses on. Because the NFL has thrown a lot of arguments out at the PA, and, and we'll see how seriously Judge Nelson takes those arguments on Wednesday. How much uh, press is she reading, do you think? Because she's got to know. She has got to know the magnitude and how many people are focused and on pins and needles based on what she is about to rule, correct? I mean, she, she's got to know that, right? I, I would find it hard to believe she would not know. Even if you're not a football fan, it would be impossible to avoid right. the, the publicity here and the exposure. And to understand that even if you're not a football fan, most of the country and most of the people in your state are. Right. Uh, and particularly coming from Minnesota. So she knows the magnitude. I'm, I'm sure she does. And I'm sure her law clerks have let her know in case it somehow missed her grasp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, heads up, Judge Nelson. This is pretty damn big. And people are going to be stamping their feet until they get a ruling. Does that right. – does that – uh, does that factor in on how quickly you think we may hear something from Judge I Nelson? I don't think the foot stamping will. I, I think recognition that this needs to get decided soon. Right. I, I think she will recognize that there's a lot at stake. And, and many people have said, look, nothing happens in the NFL until August, September. And we all know that's not true. We know that in order to have free agency yeah, to get these guys in camp. I, you know, anytime I hear anybody say, well, you know, there are no games missed, then it's no big deal. Like, you know, hey, there, there's lots being missed right now. There's free agency being missed for the players. There are there are people who are working in, in the NFL uh, that are that are getting some salary cut. Some teams are furloughing people. Uh, there are sponsors who are waiting to find out what's going on with the season, whether they're going to spend dollars or not. There are fans who are being asked to pay for season tickets that may or may not exist. I mean, there's a lot going on right here. Yeah. And 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 so the, here's my question: What's the wild card here? Could she bang some heads together tomorrow? I mean, tomorrow on, on Wednesday, can she bang some heads together and say, hey? 
you guys are going to go in a room and figure this thing out. Is that possible? It is, and I still hold out hope for that resolution, that after the hearing is over, Mm -hmm. she can say, look, both sides have weaknesses in their arguments. This is not a slam dunk for either side. And either one of you could lose a lot when I make my ruling. So how about before I make my ruling, you guys go sit down and talk again. And talk again, and you don't have to fight about whether that means that the union is now actually a union. And nothing well, how can she remove that from the equation? Because, by the way, uh, you had a superb tweet about two weeks ago, at Sports Law uh, Guy, right? At Sports yeah. Law Guy on Twitter, where you basically said uh, the players want to negotiate while being able to sue the owners, and the owners want to negotiate without being sued. And, and that's basically it. That's it, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's it. The players want to be able to say, hey, if you talk to us, you talk to our, our lawyers because we've decertified. And the owners are like, well, we're not going to talk to your lawyers because we don't agree you've decertified. Let's collectively bargain. And the players are like, well, we're not collectively bargaining because we decertified properly. And it's just we're caught in this riptide where nobody is talking to each other and everybody wants to talk to each other. How does the judge remove that from the equation? The judge can say that this will just have no basis on any of the legal decisions, that this won't affect any decision with respect to decertification or the existence or non-existence of a union, and we're just ordering court-ordered mm-hmm. mediation that class counsel negotiates with counsel for the NFL, and that's it. I mean, that's not uncommon. Judges don't like to have complex trials. It's, it's a lot of work for them. It takes up a lot of time. and they, they would prefer that the parties reach a voluntary settlement. And you have a little bit of a difference here because it's such a high-profile case. A judge might want to be involved in this a little bit longer. But, look, I think Judge Nelson could see, and I've never met Judge Nelson, but mm-hmm. you can imagine if you put yourself in her shoes, you would want to be the one responsible for saving the NFL season. Well, she could, but then someone's going to appeal it, right? Well, but I'm saying if you, if you force them into mediation right, and do it that way and say, look, I've made it clear to you guys that, that – I'm not convinced that either one of you is 100% right. So now here's where we're going to really test your ability to break this down simply, because doesn't this affect what the National Labor Relations Board is looking at? And doesn't the league basically say she has no jurisdiction in this because the NLRB is the body that decides whether or not the union has decertified properly? And the league could say, listen, uh, we're appealing your decision to mediate because if we are dealing with the class council, we don't want that to affect what the NLRB is doing. And we think the NLRB is trying truly the body that decides this anyway. Yeah, and that's pretty well said. I mean, the, the, the NFL's, one of their, their threshold arguments is we don't even need to fight about whether or not we can lock them out after they've decertified because we don't know if they've decertified validly or not. That's for the NLRB to decide. Mm-hmm. That goes to the heart of the NLRB's jurisdiction, is to decide whether or not a union exists. And so Judge Nelson, the NFL claims, can't argue, excuse me, can't decide whether or not this labor exemption is still out there, can't decide whether or not the owners can lock out a group of, de- of decertified players until the NLRB has spoken. And so they say, Judge Elton, you have to wait. Now, the, the problem with that, there are a couple of problems with that argument. One is the NLRB could take months, yeah. years to make that decision. Years, really? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, years would be unlikely, but it could, t- it could take a year. But what are they, what are they, what are they doing? First, I they mean... have to investigate. What are they investigating? I mean, there's, investigate they get a LexisNexis. You got a billion articles on this thing. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No, you're right. But they will do a, a deeper investigation than that. What's, what's deeper? What's deeper? You, well, they'll, they'll talk the, to the parties involved. Right. The, How long does that take? We know where they are, right? Well, it, 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 if you look back, it, it, it takes a long time for them to decide whether or not they want to actually file a charge. They haven't filed a charge yet. 
Who do you mean, the NLRB, you mean? Yeah, the NLRB would then have to bring the charge against the, the, the players arguing that the decertification is a sham. So it's a, it's a really lengthy process, but put that to one side. Right. What the players argue is it doesn't matter really what the NLRB says. This is not an NLRB issue. This is a court issue. This is about whether antitrust law should control or labor law should control, and the NLRB doesn't get to make that decision. There's no clarity on the answer to that. The owners clearly believe they are 100% right on this. The players believe they are 100% right on this. Someone's obviously wrong. But it does make a complicated situation that much more complicated because the owners make a fairly good argument that, look, what happens if Judge Nelson grants an injunction, then the Eighth Circuit affirms the injunction on appeal, and then the NLRB gets around to ruling on this and says, you know what, we think the decertification is a sham. Right. What happens then? What happens then? And, and that, that's not a bad argument. I mean, that, that's, that it's tough to see what happens then. It may be that the NLRB decides to defer. says, so, you know what, the Eighth Circuit's handling this. We don't need to get involved. After all this time. I mean, isn't well, there? I, I even sort of jokingly said this on the podcast last week. Isn't there a Redskin season ticket holder sitting in the NLRB that wants to actually adjudicate this matter in a, in a in a timely fashion, so we can either have football at FedEx Field this year or not? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we're yeah. all human beings that want football in the end, correct? I, I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the the process takes time, and I mean, all think right. about the the what what if you play it all the way out. Mm-hmm. If it goes through district court to a circuit and then all the way up to the Supreme Court, hold on a minute. So Supreme district court, court is Su- Susan Nelson, right? Right. Sorry. Right. Susan so, Nelson. So, so and and one thing other than, before we get there, hold on a minute. So because this podcast is going to be on for for a week, let's say Wednesday she doesn't knock heads together and put them in mediation. Could she do right. that? Say two days into the process? Could she, she do could. that? She doesn't have to do that on Wednesday for sure. She could do that at any point during the process. Right. I right. thought about it for two days. You know what? You're going to mediate. She could do that. Yeah, and, okay. the, and the idea would be it's, it's a much more powerful weapon if she hasn't reached a decision yet. Okay, so uh, let's say she what she's going to take a week. Then you think I, I would I would think she would take no longer than a week to ten days to make her decision. She makes her decision. She rules for one side, and the other one uh, immediately appeals. Correct? That's happening. Right. Although, right. Right. And it depends. I mean, the, the the judge could rule in favor of the players. Yes. And say that the lockout is lifted. Mm-hmm. She grants the injunction, and then say that the NFL owners, you've got to implement rules. And they implement rules while they appeal to the Eighth Circuit. And the rules are what, like last year's last whatever year's they rules. want to, whatever yeah, whatever they want to put in. It could be the it could be the ten rules. It could be brand new rules. They're not limited by anything. But the but the league makes it up. The union has no whatever they call themselves has right. no say has no right. say in it. Owners get to decide every single rule. So they could conceivably do a hybrid of the ten rules, but then put a few things in to hurt some of the players. So then so then uh, at that point uh, there's there. The camps open again, or 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 camps don't open while they appeal it. I mean, that's the great question because what what Judge Nelson might do is say, all right, you know, players, I think you're right, and I think you should get the injunction, but I'm going to stay the injunction until the Eighth Circuit hears it. So so I'm going to keep the injunction in place, mm-hmm. even though I'm ruling in favor of you, because it'll be a mess if I lift the inju- if I grant the injunction, force the owners to implement rules, and then three weeks later the Eighth Circuit reverses me and puts the lockout back. In Would it really be three weeks? Would it, it really could be. be three it, weeks? it could be. Actually, the, the appeals process could be quicker than the this initial process here. Is that right? Because we April sixth is is less than a month from the actual decertification and and filing of papers date, right? Right. Right. So it could it actually could take because I'm reading six to eight weeks in places that 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 an appeal wouldn't be. 
uh, heard and adjudicated until late May, early June, or something like that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the far end. I mean, that's it, the it's, far it's end. Possible. It's okay. possible, but but you could have let's say Judge Nelson decides it in a week. The losing side appeals immediately. The Eighth Circuit grants the appeal within a week or two. Right. They set the hearing date for another week or two after that, and they decide within a day or two. Within a day or two? Yeah, they could. I mean, there, there, there's, there's nothing that says they can't, particularly if you think about it, if we are now five weeks past where we are today, mm-hmm. then we're really getting close to, to make a break time. <sighs> so now let me ask you this crazy question. Is it possible the Supreme Court gets involved? Yeah, I, I don't think so. It's possible. Let me say it is possible. I think it's highly, highly unlikely. Why is it unlikely? The Supreme Court just doesn't take many cases to begin with. And this is a preliminary injunction hearing about a lockout. Mm-hmm. It's just not the type of case the Supreme Court typically takes. But right. They could. It would, it would shock me if they took it, but they could take it. Okay. So uh, let me complicate this a little further before we start simplifying it again. The David Doty lockout insurance case, yep. May 18th, I guess, is the date where he's going to do what? What's that What's that all about? Well, they still have to have a hearing on what the damages are going to be. So damages, he's going to have a hearing based on on, on his ruling that uh, the league did a no-no, basically. Right, that the, that the league did a no-no. I'm trying, again, I'm really, again, I'm, I'm trying to make it seem like I'm talking to my two-and-a-half-year-old, because <laughs> that's the way I, I sort of understand this stuff uh, best. Yep. So, you know, the, the, the league made a boo-boo. No, exactly, it's just a the very, league made a boo-boo a by boo-boo. taking less money. Yeah. Right, and David Doty's going to kiss it and make it better for the league, for the, for the players, is what he's essentially saying. And, right. And how does that play into all of this? Does that play into all this, or no, not really? Is this a sideshow, for the lack of a better phrase? Or It depends what Doty's ruling is. Uh, Doty could do a couple things. One is he could say, all right, that $4.5 billion that you were promised in the event of a lockout, mm. that goes in escrow. You don't, get, you don't get a piece of it. He could also say, and the players are entitled to significant money damages because you negotiated worse deals for them to get that lockout protection. Mm-hmm. And so if you get that combination, that, that's a, at worst – a pretty big PR win for the players, and I think will give them some more confidence that now they have their own. You know, man, insurance. PR at this point in time, it's it's over. It's it's over, man. I mean, you know what I mean. If we're still doing stuff for PR, it's just uh, as far I, as I don't I'm disagree. concerned. I don't as far, I mean, listen. The longer this goes, the pox is going to be stronger on both houses. And what what does it matter if there's no football? People could there's going to be a large number of people who are union folks in regards of what they do for a living, and they're going to be inclined to side with the players. And there's going to be a lot of people who are either anti-union or or pro-business or just feel that the owners are right. And you're not going to change people's minds. And what does it matter if you change their minds? Does it matter? I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, though, from the sense that it will, I think, embolden the players more. That uh-huh. if there is a lengthy lockout, they can survive it, and and they'll feel more secure about it. Well, certainly, if the if they're opening the lockout and uh, uh, purses, I guess they they started paying uh, players from their lockout emergency fund. If they're opening it up in April, right? Right. I mean, maybe 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 that them getting more money can be helpful uh, right. for, for might... sustaining a longer fight or something like right. that. Right. Yeah, I see that as a possibility, and and the, it might be easier for the players to stomach missing more of the off-season and, and potentially, although I don't think this will happen, part of the regular season. All right, Counselor, let's bring this home now. Let's bring this home. Where are the flashpoints in this that's going to get negotiated settlement? Where where where, where might the flashpoints for somebody who's looking through this, we sort of have laid out, 
you 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 believe that uh, if this if this lockout and the stay is granted or not, and it's appealed and it goes to appeal, you think by mid June, this is going to be everyone's going to know what the courts have decided, who's right and who's wrong. Correct? Is that on what you're the saying? lockout issue? Yeah, on the lockout issue, that's a possibility. It could take longer, obviously, but but on the lockout issue itself. But remember, even if the lockout is kept in place, the players still have their antitrust suit going forward. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the players have lost their leverage and have lost their entire lawsuit. It just means the court has said, we don't think it's worth giving you this injunction now. We think the damages you might incur can be remedied by money, by the treble damages. Right. Um, or we don't think you're going to win on the merits. I mean, we're, we're, we will learn a lot from what Judge Nelson says on Wednesday, what she says in her opinion, and then what the Eighth Circuit says in their opinion, if it gets to that. Right. That, that will foreshadow how the, the case might eventually come out, but that's no guarantee. And so you still have this out, outstanding litigation. Right. And so the, the, the flash point, though, I mean, where we might actually finally see some movement, it could be after the hearing, again, before Nelson reaches a decision, mm-hmm. if she orders mediation, if she orders them to sit down. And so before you lose complete control of this. Mm-hmm. Take one last bite yeah. at this apple. Yeah, I mean the the game of chicken is still going on. You can stop it at any point. Does that? Did they? Send, does she send them to George Cohen back there to the she mediation? Could. She could send them to George Cohen. She could do it on her own. I think we start fresh. I, I don't she, know. Well, I don't could, know how that that sixteen days with with the uh, with George didn't really uh, amount to much. You know, there would have to be some change to bring it back to him because he made it pretty clear he didn't think he could do much more. He did. He made it crystal. He yeah. made, basically said, "quote unquote." Oh man, I'll never. Oh, March eleventh for football. Um, good lord. Uh, all right. So, what what do you think? What do you think? How does this work moving uh, I, forward? If I'm a I, fan and I'm listening to this and I just listen to 25 minutes of legalese, <laughs> but let's let's just brass tacks it. What do you think? I think, again, I think we're, we're dealing with a couple of windows here. I think that first window is the week or so after the hearing on the 6th before we get a decision. Mm-hmm. I think that's optimistically the time where we might get some I mean, discussions. Uh, some like discussions it. between both sides. Right. And okay. if that doesn't happen, then I think it's got to play its way through the courts. I think it's got to go all the way up to the 8th Circuit. And then we, get, we find out who's the winner and who's the loser in this first battle. And the loser... I mean, the hope is the loser says, all right, I, I thought I had the the ace in the hole. I thought I had my strong economic weapon, but I was wrong, so let's go back and sit down and negotiate, and oh, let's boy. get this done. And somebody now negotiates from a, a position of weakness. Position of weakness, but again, it'll be, it could be relative weakness. I mean, if the players lose all the way through the ace circuit, they can say, you know what, you're still locking us out, but maybe we've got some money from Doty. Mm-hmm. We've still got our antitrust suit going on out there. Yeah, so we're but not at some point, we've got to play football, right? Right. Right. And again, what I think what most people have been saying since day one, and I still believe this, is that neither side is willing to to miss any regular season games. I just can't see it coming to that. I didn't see it coming to this, though, did you? I didn't. To to be honest, I didn't. I thought the game of chicken would have ended uh, with with the threat of decertification, the threat of a lockout. I I didn't think they'd execute it. But when we started talking, this impacts the NBA. Remember, Jeff Kessler not only represents the NFL players, represents the NBA players. No kidding. And I so, did not. I did not know that. Yeah, see, I, I didn't see. I didn't draft Kessler in my my fantasy uh, sports legal team. We have an auction. He was the number one. He was player. the number one yeah. pick. Was he? Yeah. Uh, clearly, he if he's auction. got one. if he's got two sports, <laughs> and if if the owners despise him too, he must be good at what he does. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good sign that you're a good lawyer. <sighs> okay. So you think we're not going to miss regular season games, and you think this gets decided when? I think the. 
I want to predict. Predict it. You say it's going to be. Give it. Give it to me. Give it to me. How's it going to get? How's it going to get decided? Too t- too tough. Too tough to predict. This, there's no. This is like predicting the outcome of a game where two teams who have never played each other mm-hmm. in a sport that it was just invented. Oh come I mean, on, Gabe. There, there's no way I could. I, I will tell you this. But at least they, here's the thing. I won't hold it against you. <laughs> but you'll be able to come back on the podcast when it happens in the manner in which you predicted right. would happen, and you'd be able to do whatever legal moonwalking you can do. <laughs> right? You I, can style. I will tell you this. It is very difficult for any plaintiff to get. A preliminary injunction. It's just—it's very difficult to prove that you're likely to win, mm-hmm. and that you'll have irreparable harm that can't be remedied by money damages, and that the balance of harms are in your favor. So, I would say that the owners are slight favorites mm-hmm. here, and I think the judge might give both sides um, some good news and some bad news, and might say, "We don't think the players will suffer irreparable harm." so they can't get an injunction, but we do think they're likely to win the case if it goes to trial. Professor Feldman, we appreciate your thoughts, and we'll, we'll, we'll check it back in with you as long as you keep it light. That's all. Uh, I, I do my best, Rich. Thanks so much, Gabe. We okay, appreciate it. You. you bet. Bye. Gabe Feldman, everybody. Gabe Feldman of the Tulane Law School basically walking us through this legal morass. So we need to... Uh, he went to Duke, by the way. Yeah, he did. He did. Same years that I was there, and we didn't know each other. How random is that? Kara Henderson back on the podcast, everybody. How about that? Charles How about Davis that? back on the podcast. Good to be here. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Now, you're, Gabe's, a, Gabe's a dookie. Gabe is, that right? is a dookie. Yeah, How did you not know him? That campus is about the size of a postage stamp. It's really I mean, funny. Hey, I didn't even know. know I, I didn't know a lot of people that I end up uh, meeting Cara, later in Cara life. is very clicky. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're not part of Kara's click, you're out. Gabe, if you're not in, you're out. If you're Gabe, not in, you're out. Gabe if you're out, you're not in. Gabe wasn't rolling with the right crew. Is that what it was? That's what it was. That's what it was. Look no. who's speechless now. Look who's I'm speechless trying to, I'm now. Try, okay, I'm See, like, I fired the first the shot. Here? I fired the first shot. Oh, the first salvo has That's been... That's pretty good. Okay. I fired the first shot as opposed to the other That's, way around. You know what? You know what but we good. all learn from watching fights in the NFL. Mm. Is it the guy that fires the first shot, usually the one that gets his Second ass? one gets caught. Mm. Second one gets flagged for it. Don't you think? Always. Because usually the second one's a haymaker. So I'm, I'm going to save that a one for a little, bit, a little bit later in the... Uh, in, in the chat, the, in the podcast chat, chat yes. the hot topics chat, that I'm very glad we, we need to be lively here because it's just I, again I, people just heard the whole legalese stuff and it's not Gabe's fault. Gabe's no, just Gabe's just, just the messenger. Out. He's just the counselor here. So we need to have a rowdy hot topic. <laughs> yes, filled with haymakers. Rollicking. I'm just glad that we're where our microphones are working right now because Mike Del Tufo, our sound man. Uh, is busy watching an eagle on closed caption television on Ustream right now. And he can't get enough of this. He's Appar- just absolutely yeah, locked Apparently it's an eagle that's hatching eggs and people are just watching... Eaglets? A, e- on Eagle's cam. Eaglet cam right now. Is it so actually not to be so confused? Not to be Mike, confused with Eagle's Mike, cam. Get in here and explain yourself. <laughs> explain. It's Eagle's cam. It's the NFL. It's perfect. Is that what it is? Yes. It's but why you want? What, what's the what is what is so fascinating about it's watching mesmerizing. a bird? It's why? It's Eagle's. Do, do, do what, the Eagles happens. know that this is now Eagle's cam? Yes, as opposed to Eagle's cam with the There's certainly more it's action Eagle. on Eagle cam than Eagle's, Eagle's cam, cam right now, right? But what are you watching? You're watching a bird sitting on top of other little birds, right? It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Don't get too close. You'll get hurt. And it has night vision. So you can watch 24 hours. Night? Are you kidding me? Yes. Okay, I have a vision you... of you setting your alarm clock for 2 a.m. and waking <laughs> do you, do you up. Do you have and being night like, vision? How are those eaglets doing? Or do the bird, does the bird have the night no, vision? You'd only be able to hear. So, so basically, an eagle looks like Paris Hilton sitting yes. on it. Is, is that what it is, basically? <laughs> Paris. 
Is that, I mean, what is that all Two about? Two little baby Paris Hilton's with the, the, the mother Paris Hilton, right. the big eagle. Mike Del Tufo, Now, is Paris Hilton's prosecutor who just got busted for the same thing she did, is he going to be there? I have look, no idea. I mean, it's just it's all It's all just coming together, and I just don't understand watching a bird on... Eagle camp. On, 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 but you're right. It, there is more action on <laughs> Eagle Camp right now, which then, is an actual eagle with a camera on it sitting on top of uh, two eaglets, and I guess there's another hatching egg. There is more action there than on Eagles Camp. Because we, right we are supposed to be in off-season workouts right now. Isn't that right? I mean, Everybody, everybody right? Everyone everybody is supposed knows. to be working out at this moment. They're supposed to be, you know, hey, did you make it so that you could sign up and make sure that that goes towards mm-hmm. your incentive in your contract if you make a certain number of off-season workouts. And if you're in Washington, mm-hmm. if you do enough of those off-season workouts, you don't have to do the Albert Hainsworth running test. Remember? Well, the cardiovascular Albert, Albert, endurance, Albert, though. He did not do the cardiovascular about. because he didn't do enough for the offseason. I'm doing my offseason workouts right look now. Look at him, Kara. Yeah, he looks absolutely. great. Look at me. Have for you not kids? seen him? She has. He is melting down because he's going into the ring, okay? Mm. Come that week at music, Radio City Music Hall, yeah. he's going to be down and fighting weight at that point. Yeah, he, I, he's I making too. weight. We're not postponing this fight, and we're not vacating the title. Do okay? I put on one of those? He's making weight for this fight. Yeah, I'm at Radio City We're going to We're going to weigh you in? I hope not. You won't have to, Kara. He's going to pass the the, uh, the eye test. The eye you know, test. Okay. Because that will come up during the draft. Well, uh, plus, they, I know that we always we usually do go Carnegie Deli when we're sitting usually. on the set for 10, minute, 10 hours, you know, because it's, Carnegie Deli is just down the street, and it's, you know, I but mean, you shunned. It's, it's like a leaning tower of corned beef. It really is. And but last year, so you I, shunned. I did shun it. You I shunned brought my own food. Year. You I brought couldn't have been, but I, I, I was at my... You brought... What did yes. you have, like a delivery system? Last, last, oh, dear. Yes, last year. Were you macrobiotic or something? You know, and Carol loves to make fun of me. Uh, as, I do. Yes, I'm not going to shy. Uh, and I'm about that. to give you some more. Is this, is this a salvo? Last year, last year, Charles, you were there. You had a front row seat because you, you and you will be. You'll be with me all I'll Friday and Saturday Friday as well Saturday. Like for yes. the draft. Okay, uh, I was at the height of my high maintenance in the history of being an on-air. Uh, TV oh, that's that's saying a lot. Height of my high maintenance. <laughs> in terms, because I brought my own food that you had did. to be frozen, oh my but then defrosted. Goodness. Wait, wait a minute, defrosted before heated up. Yes, because you couldn't you just like just, heat it up when go, it was. You can't go. God forbid the person, the, the, the poor stage manager. It's, 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 but wait a minute, wait. I'm not done. I'm not this done. I'm big. not done. I'm not done. Let him finish. Because they were in a freezer where we stayed in a hotel about five blocks up, but. There was no in, in all of Radio City there's Music nowhere. Hall where there's the Rockettes, there's there's stages that are three stories below and and can be dollied up, you know, and it's just swinging trapezes no. and all this stuff. Not a not a single freezer Rich. within the confines of so Radio City Music Hall. So they found wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They found a freezer across the street at Sportsnet New York. Now doesn't that make sense though? And kept the food there, went over there. Got thought it. it out, then microwaved it in Radio City Music Hall, and I ate it. See, on it the makes set. perfect sense to me though. That because was look at if listen, Cara Henderson Cara, only had a Cara, Cara camera th- on. Think her, about this. There's now. only Cara cam right now. All right, think about this. It's Cara. more captivating than Eagle Cam than Delta Fro's Eagle Cam right now. You're a Radio City Music Hall with the Rockettes who are permitted about three crackers per week. Yes. With maybe a nibble of cheese in terms of making weight and getting to those outfits. Yeah. There will be no freezers. In Radio City no, Music Hall. No place for them to stash food. they got to sneak it. So you, there won't be a freezer there. Yeah, there's no secret But if you go there. over, where was it? Sportsnet? Sportsnet New York. Okay. Across the street. We are sports people. Is I, I, there always food? 
Yeah. Okay, so that's where a freezer will be. At me. Seriously. That's where a freezer will be. We should have courtesied them at the end of our broadcast. And you have to So thaw. you didn't go to Rayo's last year? Oh, I did. Oh, but, and but and he you was brought good. your own food to Rayo's? Oh, no, of course not. No. So you made it, made people well, on, I went off like, plan. I went off plan for Rayo's. Sure, I went so, off plan. But when you had people running around for you Kara, during the course of the day, Kara, you, you made them take, defrost. They weren't and running around and, for just me. Kara, you have to take the okay. body of work in here. You can, you. Go off, you can go off Thank plan you. for one night. But the overall body of work, because I saw it. I was a witness. Front row seat. I was a witness. Sorry, Cleveland. This is painful Okay, And it happened really painful. I'm trying to eat right. I was on was, plan at was the time. On. I was on plan at the he time. Was. And it was offered. It was it, like, would you, you know, I mean, it was and, offered. And I didn't Car- demand. It wasn't a demand. I never demanded. And when the Carnegie, and when the Carnegie it was high deli, all right, when the Carnegie tel- deli's menu came by. Shunned. To shun, to push away. Talk to the hand. Okay? He yeah. did it every single time. Yeah. And remember, thaw. Think about And I'm a New York, by the way. Heating and, up. And being a New York Jew living in California and having that opportunity. With Carnegie Deli? Down, turning it down. That was big. That told you, that told you the level okay, of commitment. So, that is so the did, height of willpower. That tells you the level of commitment. How'd that work for you? So, well, I, mean, I'm all, I went off plan. Uh, <laughs> I went, <laughs> I'm not on the so plan. Wait, so you made, you went, went through all those hoops. Yes, for, I did. When you could have yeah. just for four days no, done your well, thing. Through the and summer, then... I, I, went, I stayed with the plan through the summer. <laughs> so April through, it was April through. Okay, can, can I can I put this in football terms real quick? Please. Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, let's, let's, get let's, away let's bring from it back. Something. Okay. All right, the Chargers-Bengals AFC Championship game. You remember how brutal that was? The cold, right? the cold weather that years cold, and years ago. You remember that when that years was after, ago. That was after the Chargers won in Miami, in the heat of Miami? Exactly. And, and, Kellen and, and Kellen Winslow being dragged, off, been the, dragged oh, off the field. So they went through the humidity. And now they go to this freezing cold, mm-hmm. which I believe was the coldest game on record, even surpassing the Ice Bowl, which, of course, has the mythical lore. What I learned from that weekend was this, mm-hmm. was... When they were out there playing, you know, you would think everybody can't wait to get to the locker room and the warmth and the heat and the whole deal. But as you said, what'd you have to do with your food? You had to defrost first. You can't take it thaw straight from before heating. Right? Straight from frozen thaw, then heat. to heating. Yeah. Right? You had to thaw, thaw first. Thaw, great. Then heat. This is such a great segue. All right, so you know what they had to do, Carrie? You know what both locker rooms had to do? They had to take the settings and move them down. You would think they'd rush in, oh heat, warmth, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Because if they went in there and it was too warm and wow. you're going straight from cold. From frozen to too much heat, mm. that has an adverse effect on the body and on the defrosting yeah. these guys' hands. I like hands, the hand. See, we, which we, is we a need problem. a Charles Cam because he, he says because, great because, because this is so so Rich's food analogy. Yeah. You take it back to the game, right? Thaw. Then heat, but I'm not. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be on plan for this no. uh, draft, though. Good. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? You're still. You're going. You're going to go ahead and peruse the menu, mm-hmm. but you're going to make good choices. I, Just I, eat the beef. Don't eat the bread part. That's you're going to make good choices. Eat the beef. Yeah, shun no the bread. bread. Shun, shun the, the bread, bread and the toppings. Okay, can we move uh, away from this? Because I, you sure. just, you just Are gave me a hungry? perfect. You gave me a perfect. Kara Henderson has about, the next topic. Go, Kara. Okay, so we were talking about you know heating, thawing. It just. I, t- I spent a weekend mm-hmm. at the owners' meetings in New Orleans. Yes. Oh, and now food's going to get back into this. One oh then. no, it's not. <laughs> but you, you hear the be- you hear the best stories when it's all kind of off the record and people are telling funny things. Oh. Are we now going? Are we taking something off record and putting it on? No, is this no, a no, podcast no, no, no. exclusive. No, this is a funny, funny story. I'm not okay. going to tell you okay. the whole story because then it would be okay, on then the it'd record. Be a problem. Um, there was a coach who was at one point so cold that he went. By the heater during the course of the game. This would be Steve Spurrier with the Redskins. Okay. <laughs> and caught his pants on fire. 
on one of those guns that, that fire right. out. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he caught his pants on fire, and he didn't realize it until he went into the locker room. So there's my segue for you, Charles Davis. So, so, what, you're saying, so what you're saying is in the locker room he discovered the singe mark. <laughs> singe. He, I think he cut <laughs> he just, like a did, whole did it hole was in there the a side hole of his in? pants. Wow. No there is a further story there that I will not tell. But he didn't feel the breeze going through there? I guess I mean, not. I guess not. What but else he you, was what almost else you, too cold. He what else you got so, from me? What else so you got the, from So the owners' meetings is, is great because not only do you hear all these great stories and, mm -hmm. and you, you know, get to talk to people you don't normally do, but I get the chance to every year interview um, almost all the head coaches for about 10, 20 minutes. And this year we weren't really – talking that much about, you know, the lockout or this. We were just getting some other content. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the funniest moments, one of the funniest moments, mm -hmm. I ask a very topical question to Andy Reid mm -hmm. about Kevin Cobb. And this is what ensued. If I told you kind of the way everything was going to work when we were sitting here last year at this time, would you have been surprised? Oh, is there like a fart machine under this? <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> I think I just broke the chair, seriously. <laughs> oh no, you guys are messing with me. It would be Adam if it was. No, no I, did, not, I did that to my hilarious. secretary. I did, I mean, to my assistant, to Carol. I, I went out there one more night. I taped on a little fart machine. And then I had my assistant, without him knowing, I had him walk up and grab something from Carol, and then I sat behind my door, and I went, and I went, <laughs> and she's going, ah, ah, ah. Wow. Carol. Now that's an exclusive. How great is that? And the funny thing is, the, 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 the setup for this is, back to back, we mm -hmm. had... You know, and we we were in a hotel room, and they have those kind of chairs. And back to back, we had Rex Ryan. Uh oh. And then we had Andy Reid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, literally, in the middle of the so interview, are you, are it's the you most suggesting that Rex, that Rex, maybe that Rex loosened up the, the joint, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But I thought Rex had melted down a little. He, does, he looks great. He really does look great. You he know? really does. So, but so, it was funny. So, so, so there was Andy, this noise, and and it was. I, I mean, love Andy and it was. It but was it wasn't hilarious. the machine. It was just the noise. No, from the it chair. was like the spring and the chair. And, and that's later, what led him to the to the right, story about his secretary. Right, right. So that's the way to beat the cover too. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but what is? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. So that then spurned oh, another more? question. Oh, there's more. Look at you. I'm surprising. But you wait. Your podcast. But there's wait. More. There's more. So, okay. So that led to questions about you know pranks um, because we were all at that point cracking up, obviously. Yeah, right. And then he gave us this story. Oh, okay. What is the best prank you think that's ever been played on your watch? Um. Well, I, you know, I saw John Madden get one by Brett Favre. And um, I was coming down to the quarterback meeting, and Brett was doing his uh, pregame meeting. Well, it was Saturday, but pregame meeting with a uh, production meeting with, with John Madden. And uh, the door opened, and Madden came flying out of the thing like cherry. I mean, he's got a big head now. And that head was as red as you can believe. He's going... <laughs> and what Favre had done is he had taken a little thing that was called morning breeze. It was a little thing of sulfur and sprinkled it under the table. And it smelled like a fart. 
and uh, and and Madden couldn't handle it. I mean, he can't handle the smell of, of gas. So, so he was choking out there. <laughs> and it, it was pretty funny. I mean, if you were there, that was a pretty good prank, though. I thought. So now that there's your breaking news, Martin Madden cannot stand the smell, smell of, gas. of gas. But I think we have a subset to the breaking news. What's that? Andy Reid into fart jokes. He likes it. That's, you know what? Because here's he, I, I, in a way, I'm, I'm I'm sort of glad we're doing this. I'm, I don't know if Andy Reid is, but uh, uh, but the bottom he line plays is, along clearly. He, he, you know, you just because you see the Andy Reid who just goes right. up there and says, "Well, you know, here are the injuries. Mm-hmm. We think this guy's got a knee. We think this guy's got a calf. All right, time's yours." Yeah. And then he answers questions like this in about five seconds. And all right, next all right, question. That it. We but good? but then you meet him away He's from great. that setting, and and this is. That's Andy Reid right there. You and, just heard, you know. And you heard Andy Reid. Family guy, cool, That's funny Reed. guy. That's Andy Reid. Right? He's and, hilarious, and, but he does both things in the interview. There were points but, in the interview where he shuts you down. Of course. Like, but that's, that's. Boom, and you're like, all but right. That's what they consider, their, coach. That's what they consider yes. their job. That's part of being a head coach. And to get that Andy Reid, though. Right. Right. That's, I mean, what you were able to pull out of him, Kara, that's the Andy Reid you want to hang out with. That's the Andy Reid you want to know. And say, Andy Reid, you want to play for exactly because that's part of it. I think there's so many people that that see the you know the, the for example, everybody talks about how funny Bill Belichick is. You certainly don't see and that don't in see his it. press right. conferences, right? But you know, but players certainly knows. see that side of things, and that's a that's part of the longevity. Number one, in longevity we all know is winning, right? Okay, that's that's number one. <laughs> yes, all right? that is true. And, duh. All right. right. But Duh, we, but winning. We, but we've also seen, <laughs> right? We've also seen coaches winning, <laughs> right. right? Duh, winning, right? right? We've seen winning who get replaced because they may not be able to capture the team a certain way. Remember John Makovic? Sure. The Kansas City Chiefs? Mm. They go 10-6, and six, right? They go in the playoffs. And the team's like, you got to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in management. He's got to go. Right. And, you, and at home, you're like, how does that happen? Right. That this guy, the whole team... He's got to go. Well, that story played itself out again when he was head coach at University of Arizona, where the whole team went, That's he's it. got to go. Right. And they kept him, and they tried to make it work anyway, and it lasted about three, four games the next year, and it was, it was totally shot. You know. So some guys know how to capture a team and adapt so that they can stay. Because I remember Tom Izzo saying, you know, the thing about being a coach, especially in the college level, is your team's age stays the same. Mm-hmm. You get older. How so, do you keep that gap from, 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 from existing? Andy Reid's found a way. And bringing it full circle, what is a fart machine? <laughs> have, you ever, and, have you ever been to... What, I mean, I've heard of a whoopee cushion. <laughs> have you ever been to like a... <laughs> what is a fart machine? <laughs> and where does one buy one? The scary part is I actually know this, which is a little frightening because I saw it at a party. Okay. Okay. The, the at, the Reed, at the Reed's house? No, no. You know, funny. <laughs> amazingly enough, my, my annual holiday uh, party card from the from the Reed's has not come it through not yet. Come I've through. not gotten even the Evite, but it's a little like like a little box that we would wear, mm-hmm. you know, for for IFBs and yeah, everything for like your that. Your microphone pack on the and back, and you just take that box and you place it somewhere, and by remote control, sitting in another place, you have another mechanism like in your hand, and click it. And Can you imagine the idea it, meeting it for this? It, it like they, they came up with like five different things. No, oh, that doesn't work. You remember Spencer oh, Gibbs? We're gonna, guys, try, we're gonna try something different. Yeah, well, let's send that back to research and development. R and D, R and D. That that thing. noise is not. Well, do you guys remember like Spencer Gifts? Those types oh, of yeah. stores. Uh, That's where you would find something. Oh, like Spencer's. That. I remember. Oh yeah, my yeah, son still wanders in there, and you've got to like you've got to like steer them away. Is that like the adult section? Is that when you race in and grab him and pull him out? Oh yeah, because there's lava lamps and the 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 big lamp. There's all sorts of. Big stuff. 
There's things that they things that just should not be out there. No, no, not so much. There are things that research and development just said keep it out there. Don't send it back. It's all about the R and D. Uh, let's briefly talk draft before we go. You're going to be in Denver for our draft coverage, correct? correct? With the number two pick, correct. John Fox. What are you hearing right now, Kara Henderson, about that? What are you hearing? You know, you I, I don't I don't talk about what I hear because Charles and I both know that this is the, the smokescreen season where even your best friends are going to lie to you. And I love John Fox and very friendly with him. But Foxy's, Foxy's very good at not telling you anything, but you feel great about it when yeah. you walk right. Because Elway's saying, Elway's saying they're <laughs> which looking is, at Which is a great coach. That's, I mean, you feel good about Foxy. You're like, yeah, Foxy's the greatest. And oh, you yeah. walk out and, and you go, like, I didn't learn a thing. What did he tell me? Yeah. <laughs> He's great. But I mean, Elway's saying they're looking at everybody. Yeah. Everyone. Case in point. Just what you said. And here's the best part: because we are in the lockout situation, Kyle Orton has not been resolved. Because Kyle Orton has value out there. All right, there are people who would say, Jeez. you know something, let me go get him and plug him in until I get my situation fixed or I get a draft pick that I want. Because at least we know he can play. We know that, but they can't do anything with him because everyone else is wearing 15 jerseys and they want to see that kid play. Right. I mean, they want to see Tebow play, but. Is John Elway convinced he's that guy? Mm-hmm. John Fox may go along with it a little bit more because he's used to playing. I mean, Jake DeLome and, and, and all that. It's never been of, a big type of thing. He'll tell him. you that his kind of quarterback is a guy who's a leader, who's smart, and then the third thing is all the other stuff. And so, hopefully he takes Tim care Tebow of the ball is, because Foxy wants to play defense. And right. that's where Jake went off the rails when he quit taking care of the football. That's mm. when everything went to heck for him. Prior to that, he didn't have to be spectacular. He just had to take care yeah, of the ball, defense, to do it. The whole deal, you know. Yeah. And, you know and, and once it went, it set out. Yeah, it really went south. But I, I, it's going to be interesting because they have so many different directions they can go. We've kind of all locked in on defensive line, right? Whether it's Marcel Darius, whether it was Daquan Bowers before the knee. I think they're going Darius. You know, I think they're Darius going Darius. Seems like, How about that, by the way? He says Darius. Told you. We come, we he came, told you. Told you. On, told all of us. You were on the on set. The, he I said was, the combine. We I was on the field. He goes on the air. Marcel Darius. He goes. No, actually, my name's Darius. Darius. Oh, okay, we'll call Darius. And you and you announced it right. to everyone, right. and he was. Nodding well, well, and well, he changed yeah. back, and now you hear Darius. <laughs> well, that, then he came into our studio, Marcel, and we we're calling him Darius. He and said, he goes, no, nah, Darius. Darius." Are you calling him schizophrenic? No, I'm no. not. I'm calling him uh, a flake. Darius, at, at least, Darius. What I'm are calling, you calling him? I'm what calling are we calling him? At least when Tony Darius. Darius. Let's, let's just let's just give him a third one. When when Tony Dorset, and it is Dorset, right? Went to Dorset. He never looked back. Don't forget about. He left it. Don't forget about Joe Thiesman. Joey Thiesman. Joe Thiesman. If you go to Joe's old neighborhood back mm-hmm. in Jersey, I believe mm-hmm. it is, and they're, you ask they're for not Thiesmans, call him Thiesman, no. no, if you ask for Thiesmans, there's I no Thiesmans here. I had some it's friends do that. I had some friends do that. They went away for a while and came back with a different pronunciation of their name. <laughs> and, and don't you remember the 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 old goalie in the in the National Hockey League, uh, Guy Bear? He was Guy Herbert. Guy Herbert. He grew up Guy Herbert, but and then he, he started playing. Stop it. Yeah, he started playing. He started playing hockey, and he was smart. He was smart. Go Guy. Guy Bear is way better as a uh, hockey name. Of course, name. may we. You know, and everybody, they buy you better if you have that type of a name. Did you just learn something? I learned there something on the And remember, Joe, Joe, Joe Thiesman, who gave him the name, who made it Thiesman. Because it rhymes with Thiesman. Right, but who did that? It was Roger Valdeseri, the SID at Notre Dame, who pulled him aside know. and said, son, we're going to make a little run at this thing, but See, we're going to have to this make this change. This is why Charles Davis is an MVP in, when you're sitting He's on a draft set. When you're noodle, sitting on a right? draft set for a billion hours, as we'll I'm about to do. We'll come up with a thing or two. 
No, you know why? Because every time it. you see Charles, he's got a notebook that's about <laughs> nine it's inches there thick. There it is. Right there right it is. My right. draft notebook. But it's not usually if it's not the draft. Then during the season, I see you out. You know, sitting at the no, cafe Charles, with like yeah. um, research. Where does it all I've, stay I've, up there, I've, Charles? I've got, I've got to do stay? that. I mean, this is the. You know what that does? No. It, it, it's it's when you're around people, and this isn't blowing smoke now. All right, when you're around people that you know are up on their game. And let's mm-hmm. face it, Mike Mack's the face of our draft. We know that, and there's a reason why. If you don't elevate your game to try and get there with Mike, you can get your feelings hurt. Well, you can so get embarrassed. It also sounds and like you better be ready to go. One thing so you I, I once read, out of fear. Totally, read, uh, totally fear out of fear. I once read Matt Groening, uh, you know, yeah. the creator of The oh, Simpsons, yeah. said that the perfect thing to do in an office to make yourself look busy is just to carry a piece of paper from one end of the office to the other. <laughs> That's it. Just carry That's a piece it. of paper, and essentially, you've taken this to the maximum. You've well, carried I, now carry eight, no nine. You'd fall freaking no. I won't look really. Important Before we end this draft discussion <laughs> and uh, move on to Dennis yeah. Quaid, um, let's talk about the entertainer and the icon with the fake smile. Yeah. That would be uh, Cam Newton, mm-hmm. which everybody's beating him up with the fake smile. I mean, I mean th- that. When did it, I, when I, did I, it go think, from a winning we, smile to a fake, fake smile? Well, when, uh, again, because we're, of the draft this process. Is, this, is, this is in reference. Yeah. This is in reference to uh, Nolan Naraki, Nolan Naraki, who's a, 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 who's, a, who's a, a very respected yeah. scout. Excellent. But the whole thing is he, he, he in, in, in his lengthy, detailed mm-hmm. analysis uh, of Cam Newton, Cam Newton, mentioned how he's got a fake smile. Yeah. And then on top of it, we find out he's never met the kid. Yeah, and it's, and it's Nolan's opinion from having watched the interviews and right. watched what's gone through. And he's, he's put it out there. And, and one thing to keep in mind, Pro Football Weekly, mm-hmm. that's where Nolan works, does tremendous work. But in this draft process, as we will know, anything that pops out, we're going to be all over it because it's such a long process. Mm-hmm. So Nolan, he puts that out there, and the next morning it's like, oh, God, here well, we yeah, go. because it's going to because, be in capital letters. It might, as well be in, it might as well be in neon, well, right. right, because here it comes. It's not just that, too, though. Yeah. I mean, when the first modern-day African-American quarterback to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame yep. comes out and says that your analysis is tinged with racism and, and, and code words, mm-hmm. That now we now that put things into a totally different stratosphere for the media to cover it because I don't know if yep. if one analysis, regardless of how respected right. Nolan is for Pro Football Weekly, I don't think that would have gotten the headlines if Warren Moon didn't come out and no. say, "Wait a minute, and this remember, is ridiculous." And remember, we have to listen to what Warren has to say on this no, because well, because Warren is that guy yeah. that was not afforded the opportunity to come out of college. He had to tear up because simply because he's a black quarterback. We watched him in the Rose Bowl against your alma mater. Yeah. Do his thing, and all of a sudden that. he's not—he's not good enough for us to even take a look at. Had to go up to Canada and play. So if anyone's going to have some sensitivity and oh, understand yeah. and say, "Hold it a second, let's make sure where we're coming from on this." Now, the flip side is Ryan Mallett is getting clobbered. Now Ryan Mallett's a first-round talent from Arkansas. He's getting clobbered with the off-the-field stuff. Cam Cam Newton, and I'm not saying one way or the other, but Cam Newton is going to go in the top ten. I mean, it's almost a lot. I don't think top ten. I think, I think top five. Oh, I do. Truly. Oh, oh yeah. Truly. I thought Truly. you were saying he was no. coming out of the no, top he's, he's out of there. I think top he, he's going to go at either. I think top three. Right, he's either going to go at one so or three. So you think he's going to the Bills? Right, we're saying one, three, four to on Cincinnati is a possibility. Taping, on the day we're taping this podcast on Tuesday, he's meeting with the Panthers. Yeah, listen. Again, number one overall, and remember so that's again. So, so that's, not, that's not the again, first time, right? So then let's let's because we like to He's going. we like to brass tax things. We like to get straight. I just clapped for emphasis. Yes, Karen, I didn't I mean like to scare it. you. Um, <laughs> and lights didn't go off. That's either. what we do here on the podcast. We cut to brass tax. We go right to the straight story. Is 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 this 
does this kid have a, a locker room issue? I mean, I don't think he has a locker room issue at all. I, I mean, if the locker room loves him. Cam or Ryan? Talk about Cam, Cam, Cam. Newton. Oh, okay. Because the locker all, room loves I him. I hear all sorts of bad stuff. But the locker room loves him. Take a look at, at his at his so small then, career. Then what Blinn is Junior it? College, then what one is it? year, then what national is it? championship. Then what is Auburn, it? he goes in there in spring. And next thing you know, these guys would follow him up Mount Kilimanjaro right. and jump if so he said so. What, what is going on? That's not the issue. What is the issue? The issue is they, they keep going back to the past. They keep going back to the laptop. They keep going back to the alleged academic fraud. And from what I've talked with people, the bigger question is the academic fraud to them for this reason only, Rich. If you're not going to do your work in school, are you a shortcut guy? Mm-hmm. You know, it just leads to that question. Are you the kid who's going to take shortcuts and we can't have our quarterback doing that? Because he's going to have to learn a system he's and learn really a learn a process. And, like, and, like, and also with a lockout, learn it yeah, fast. Like learn all it, of them. Learn it in a hurry. Learn it and be that guy who's first in the building, last to leave. That's what they want to know about him. Okay? So you go back to Auburn. No, these kids love him. The team loves him. The coaches love him. All that swirled around last year with the daddy issues about the pay for play. Mm-hmm. They didn't miss a beat. You know how difficult that is for a young kid where all of a sudden every day there's trucks outside for the interview, they're talking to your teammates about your problems, they're doing this, and in the best conference in the country, they don't miss a beat and win the national championship. I think this kid is getting overlooked for that sort of mental toughness. Can you figure out the rest of it? And the last but not least, some people worry that his posse is too big. He's got too many other people around mm-hmm. talking to him. That maybe he's not being guided the proper way. Let's see this thing play out a little bit because to me everything says winner. So here's a question. <laughs> because for when you. I watch him play, they win football games. He makes throws, he makes runs, he wills his team to victory. He didn't even have his A game for the national championship game. Right. But they got it done. So I think he deserves a lot more credit than what he's getting. Are you hearing because I've certainly heard things coming out of the interviews. Have you been hearing how he's performed? kind of in that setting? What I've, what I've heard is that when you were with him in the private interviews, he's performing he's just fine. Uh, this listen, this man, kid's he, got he, a thousand watts smile to our set. and a set, right? He Does he have a presence? Our set. He came to our set. I'd never met him before. First of all, he's huge. <laughs> he's a monster. Second, second, <laughs> second, you just, you just, he performed. You're, you're he did him. a really great job he in that is, interview, by he, the way. He, he, you're drawn to him. Yeah. You're drawn to him. And, and, and uh, Matthew Pomeroy, mm-hmm. our, our, our uh, researcher who was there. Uh, what's his? He's the manager of research, he's, the president of research. I can't man. figure these titles. Uh, president of R and D. Yes, uh, of yeah, NFL Network Research R and D. You know, and he worked with the Texans uh-huh. for years, and and um, and knows inner workings of of leagues and teams. Uh, he says there are thirty two. After Cam left, there are thirty two public relations chiefs in the NFL. That would kill to have that. Kill guy. to have him. I, I don't think there's any question about him. all that. I think there are other things that people want to find out. And because this process is as long as it is, oh boy. sometimes there's well, not something. There's an ebb and flow to it. Great this week. Ah, oh, something. I think this he's going to go. One. Great this week. Something this week. I think he's my latest go mock one. draft, Rich. I've had one. listen, Rich. I've had three mock drafts. This is my third one that just came out. He's been number one. On every one of my mock drafts, I've consistently left him. Now, there. when you say mock draft, it is not a real draft. Right? This is not real. the real draft. We are mocking it, <laughs> right? So we are mocking. So again, when you talk mock drafts, anybody should not be confused. This is not the real. This actual is not draft. the real actual okay. draft. The real actual draft begins yeah. 
when you turn to Mike Mayock and say, Mike, Mike, Carolina's going on the clock. Car- what do you think? What do you think? That's when we find out because what was that year that Mike went? What this first 15, 16? Hey, remember that? Unbelievable. It's just well, it he nailed stunning. he nailed Aaron Rodgers going twenty four to the he nailed uh, that Packers. one too. I mean, he, we, when he came on and he did his mock draft uh, reluctantly. Yeah, um, he always does it right before the draft. But I think this year you have a special, right? We have a special. <laughs> the Wednesday night before the yeah. draft, it's just me and Mike Mayock going through his. Mayock mock draft, the toughest uh, trip of the tongue I, I ever have to face during the draft. Um, People want to know. This was fun. This was fun. Before we get to Dennis Quaid, Mike, come back in here and give us an update on the Eagle. <laughs> Will you please? Uh, th- now, this is Eagle. Come back in this here. is you know Eagle great about, camp. Has the Eagle landed? Not Eagle's camp. But you know what's great while he's coming in? There he is. Still in the nest. Fine. They still. Uh, you know, what, because because Wait. you were the pirate for for one game at, at Seton. You were the Hall? Seton Hall pirate. I think you were the now pirate? can we have yes. him dress up as an eagle? For, what do you think? Until if, the, if I know Boston upset, College would be very upset. If someone, <laughs> right? It's a big East. I went to Seton Hall. So okay, so again, uh, the eagle. Uh, there, there's one more, egg. Uh, one more egg. I don't know if we should do what this because get... this could date the podcast. Do we have any natural? Oh. Do we have any natural predators we have to worry about yeah. while this process is there's going on? A couple horse. No one's going to mess with the eagle. No, that would be that would be awful, awful, wouldn't it? Would it would be, be awful. brutal. Or the, or okay. like you know, if it's like one of those animals that eats its young or something, oh. that would be so bad. The no hamsters. One egg is still unhatched. <laughs> okay. Supposedly by the next podcast. Do me a favor. If the egg hatches, let me know. Unless it's at three in the morning, then don't worry d- about d- it. Uh, I'll just then hold it. I'll, I'll catch it the next there, morning. Is there like an alert? Are you is tweeting? Are you live tweeting an eagle are, nesting? Are you tweeting as Pictures? the eagle, kind of like the what was it, the python? I'll tweet it. The, the cobra. The, the cobra. cobra. <laughs> what, what's your Twitter address? NFL Mike. At NFL Mike. Wait a minute, you work Mike, for the NFL? That is beautiful. <laughs> is that a is that a Duke hat or is that a Dallas? That's a Dallas hat. And he's only got one NFL logo on I'm today. That's odd. That's beautiful. All right. Thank you, you, Mike. Are we getting to Dennis Quaid? Did you say we're going to move into Dennis to get Quaid? To, yeah, about to get to Dennis Quaid. One of my favorite scenes ever in, in a Dennis Quaid movie. Is? Any given Sunday yeah. when he broached the subject <laughs> very Gin- scary, yeah, gingerly, gingerly right. with Miss Lauren Holly, Mrs. Quarterback mm-hmm, Wife. Mm-hmm. About, you know, maybe we should, you know, think about shutting it down. I can, I've got gaps yeah, in retiring. my memory, and right. maybe I should retire. And remember, she just hauled off and slapped him across the, the face. face. She said, oh, no, we've got at least three good years left. I don't want to ever hear that out of your mouth yeah, again. You and she turns and walks off, and he's like, I guess I'm playing. It's <laughs> <laughs> the end of that. Good to see you, Charles Davis. Good to see you, Good too. Good to see you. Kara Henderson, thanks so much. Always. Kara, I love the stuff, with the scoops with Andy Reid. Yeah. You, you said exclusives. There it is. She gave right you here. two. You yeah, I don't, you, you will not get that anywhere else. You will not. No. The you fart, will not. The fart machine. That's and, that, and I did not, in fact, put a fart machine in her <laughs> Andy Reid on line two for Kara Henderson right now. <laughs> All right. That's Charles Davis. That's Kara Henderson. Let's get to Dennis Quaid. There's a new movie out uh, called Soul Surfer, and uh, it's a story that I think uh, a lot of uh, fans are familiar with. It's about Bethany Hamilton. Uh, a young uh, teenage girl who lost her left arm in a shark attack while uh, lying on her surfboard. She was a a medal-winning surfer, and uh, despite losing her left arm, uh, she became uh, as good as she's ever been. And it's a story about faith and testing her own faith and religiousness and also faith in herself. And uh, it's a neat movie, and uh, I'm uh, pleased to have one of the stars in the movie uh, here on the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. Dennis Quaid joins me on the program. How are you, Dennis? Great, Rich. 
Was that a was that a, a was that a proper accounting of this film? Yeah, I would say so. She was this little wonderkind surfer who was you know going to go on to compete internationally at the age of thirteen, and when uh, the horrific experience happened of a tiger shark coming out of the deep and ripping off her left arm, and she took this uh, tragedy in her life and. Uh, um, turned it into a bump in the road through her faith and through her courage. And now she is back and she's one of the top surfers in the world. How did you get involved in the project? I was watching the today show a couple of Christmases ago and Bethany just happened to be on there telling her story. She was promoting her book on a book tour and, and there was just something about her, her optimism, and, um, uh, her, her soul, I guess you would say that mm-hmm. the, the that came through her just it was so uh, honest and and positive that it uh, made me well up there on the couch, you know, thinking like, well, geez, what kind of problems could I possibly have right. in this world? Look what she's overcome. And then about three days after Christmas, uh, my agent calls me and says, look, I know everyone's on vacation or whatever, but these people keep calling me. And uh, are you familiar with Bethany Hamilton? They want you to play her father. Uh, so it was one of those, uh, in fact, maybe the only time in my career where I, I said yes without without even reading the script because it was such a powerful story. And I assume you met the young lady, too, uh, throughout oh, of filming of this. What, what is she like? Because, uh, again, as you said, a whole bunch of people saw her on the Today Show and, and her whole story, and uh, it is pretty amazing. Well, that's the thing with her is what you see on you know, on TV is, is really what you get in life uh, with her. You know, there's no pretense or anything like that. In fact, the entire family was on the set uh, while we were filming, including her dad, who I played in the film, Tom Hamilton. And uh, that, you know, that was fantastic to have. It's always good to have the real person. If you're playing a real person there for you, that way you don't have to work so hard coming up with stuff. You, you can just you know, turn around and ask them. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've done uh, baseball films, football films, uh, even cycling films, although calling Breaking Away a cycling film may, may, may not be appropriate. But uh, I, I know for... for you know, living out here in California, surfers are very, very particular about surfing movies because they uh, they, oh, sure. they think about Annette Funicello doing, you know, like a clam right. bake and stuff like that. Oh, and Ride the Wild Surf, which was, um, it was, you know, they were kind of a joke, really. Yeah, so so and, uh, I, I know that they're very particular. How 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 are you about uh, doing a surfing film? Well, um, it was, yeah, we were lucky enough to really have the, uh, the blessing of the surfing community there, there in Hawaii. Right. And the Kealana brothers are, you know, instrumental for us, uh, there on the set. And, um, you know, it, it seems to me so far that the surfing community has embraced this movie. And, uh, Sean McNamara, who is so familiar with filming in the water and pays such close attention to detail about that, that, that uh, I think I think that we passed the test, <laughs> the smell test, if you will, from the surfers. Right. Uh, what now? Let's let's talk a little bit about your football films. Obviously, us being uh, uh, here on NFL.com, um, the the Ernie Davis story, The Express. 
right. where you played the Syracuse head coach. What, what was that like, getting deep into that story, the Ernie Davis story that, that so many people uh, know about Jim Brown, but Ernie Davis has been long forgotten, unfortunately? Well, um, uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's a large community out there that's you know still aware of Ernie Davis, and you know, he just he never really had the chance to to start his life. He was just barely starting his life when when uh, his life was his life was cut short. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know it was that was another really inspirational story that I, I just had to do. It was uh, and uh, to play the great Schwartzwaller was. Was kind of a daunting task of that to kind of transform the way I look mm-hmm. and uh, to capture that character. Did you? Did you? I mean, because I mean, boy, you make people cry when you make sports movies, Dennis. I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, and you throw, you know, everyone's every, everybody's all American in there, and you know, in the Express, it's it's sort of the tearjerkers. You're you're in a lot of there's things, a lot of drama in sports. The rookie, you know, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, uh, the rookie, uh, I I saw on a uh, a plane uh, for the first time because I, I missed it when it was in the theaters. And I cried on a plane. I've never done that before. You know, when it has nothing to do with turbulence. You know, like I actually was moved to tears from that by that well, movie. It's, it's really about you know, sports is sports is drama. Sports is a struggle that you know I think we can all identify with in life. You know, and um, uh, sports is beautiful as well. And um, um, so. Uh, you know, when we see these stories, to me, they're like tears of triumph mm-hmm. in a way. Because the same way I feel when I watch the Olympics, and I, I just get all misty-eyed when I, you know, when it, during that Olympic ceremony, because you know how hard people have struggled, you know what they've been through, you already know their stories a bit, and um, I think people can identify. It touches something inside all, of all of us. And then, and then there's any given Sunday. <laughs> yeah, then there's any given Sunday, <laughs> which is uh, you know I don't know where the tears were in that one, but uh, yeah. maybe when you got but stuck I think with Oliver Stone, really captured the NFL, the NFL <laughs> yeah, down, right. down on the field. You yeah. know, you could really feel that movie. Yeah, that, uh, as you know, far as the violence and the sure of, of what. <laughs> What that is on the field and LT Lawrence Taylor. What, oh, did you, that was great. What was what that like? Most, what I remember most about that movie is that you know we were supposed to start at seven o'clock in the morning, but we usually didn't start till noon <laughs> because of various circumstances. And so after after about three or four days, uh, we figured we figured out this was going to be the modus operandi, and so it was it, at six o'clock in the morning at, at uh, Doral. It would be myself, Jimmy Woods. <laughs> Jim Brown and uh, Lawrence Taylor on the first tee. Who who won though? I know you're a scratch golfer. Did you did you did you take anything from these guys? At that time, I was not a scratch golfer. Ah. But, uh, you, know, the, you know, let's just say pockets were picked, mm-hmm. including mine. I see. <laughs> I guess I guess Lawrence. Did, now, did LT say that he was he was he pencil whipping people? Did he want candy on the golf course? What was he? No, about? he man, he was. He was incredible. He mm-hmm. could come out. He could come out of the car in his flip flops, and <laughs> you know he was a six at the time. And the guy could, the guy could really shoot. And, you know, and then you couple him with Jim Brown, and those guys, you know, <laughs> two of the most competitive people who have ever lived. Got the greatest offensive player and the greatest defensive player in history of football, and 
it was just a lot of fun to hang out with. I imagine. Did you? How did you prepare for that role, being a veteran quarterback? Did you speak to any veteran QBs at the time? I went to a, I went to a 49ers trainer, uh, training camp, mm-hmm. um, and you know, hung out with Steve Young, and was there for about about a week, and you know, throwing passes to Jerry Rice. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and for me to say that you can't overthrow him is really not much, but um, it was it was really a great experience. I imagine so. Is it true you're a Saints fan? Is that a true rumor? You're I'm a, I'm a diehard Saints fan. Have been for you know for decades. Really? You know, back back when they were the you know back when they were the Aints. Did you put a, people wear bags on their heads? I was about to say, did you put a paper bag on your head ever? No, never, never did that. But. Uh, but uh, you know, I you know, fond memories of the Saints, even going back to you know Archie Manning and Kenny Stabler and the Fridge, and you know then Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell came and finished their careers over there, and you know and the more more years, and uh, so uh, you know it was always almost 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 for so long, and and uh, it was a great great payoff last year in fact we were shooting soul surfer i was in hawaii watching the super bowl oh yeah yeah i mean that 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 must have been an odd kickoff time for super bowl like one o'clock in the afternoon watching a super Bowl. oh i think it was (laughs) maybe what was it yeah it was about maybe 10 in the afternoon in the morning yeah yeah but so so that was that's where you watched it and were you moved to tears like every other saints fan Uh, that i know uh, it was just pure joy Pure joy. Have you ever met they Drew Brees? Actually, yeah. In fact, uh, I went to a I went to a, a game when I was filming in Pittsburgh and sat up in the stands. This was, you know, about three seasons ago, and they lost the game at, that night. And, you know, they they took it hard. They took everything really hard. All, all the losses really hard. Yeah, they're so determined. Nobody like Drew Brees. So, uh, what, did you did you play football yourself? I mean, you're you're a Texan. I imagine you must well, have played I some high school. To, you know, it's a rite of passage to go out and for the, for football in high school in mm-hmm. Texas. And but I was I was a late bloomer, and I, I pretty much kind of laughed off the field, and that's how I wound up in drama. <laughs> it really is. I'm in the drama department with all the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's the way a quarterback usually gets it too. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you're get you're living you got both you got the best of both worlds right there. Yeah. So, uh, is there an is there a I, I guess you know you're in the Footloose remake that's coming up. Uh, you're you're right. shooting that or or you already shot that? Did you already shoot? You already it? shot it. Yeah, that's already, out in October in the can, as they say already. Right. Right. Now. Okay. And uh, so, is there another is there another uh, sports movie that you think you have left in you here, or do you think? Uh. Uh, oh sure, I've got I've got it in me, especially if it's a golf movie. Yeah, how come and, you haven't uh, done that yet? Yeah, well, how come that's not come along? <laughs> Why is God so cruel? That's right. I mean, if you're a scratch golfer, you might as well put it to the test. Right? Well, I was I was a scratch golfer for about five minutes, and then you get a job, and if you're not working on it like every day, right, out there grinding, it 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 soon leaves. Now you're not just setting up people that you have a regular golf game no, with Dennis exactly. here. You're not you setting know, people five up right now, and, okay. and I've been, you know, because of, uh, you know, out here on this tour and everything. And right now would be a really good time to get in my pocket. <laughs> 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 I'll probably play like a twelve. 
Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time here. Uh, good luck, obviously, with Soul Surfer. And, uh, hey, listen, if you ever want to come in NFL Network and uh, uh, talk some Saints football, if you're ever in the Los Angeles area, we're, we'd love to have you. because uh, appreciate it. Listen to you guys on the radio when I can't watch kids games on TV. And, awesome. You know, of course, watch the games on TV. I thought I bless you guys for doing your Thursday night games. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> hey, listen. We're going to be, man, we got to work something out. We got to find a way to, to to get this season going next year, right? What do you think? I mean, can you can uh, you do something about this, Dennis? I mean, everybody's you... got to do a lot of praying and a lot of soul well, it's, it's a, Or a lot of soul surfing, you know, right. at the, yeah. in, the, in the interim, because uh, it's in the hands of the lawyers. We already talked about that earlier yeah, on the program. It's in the hands of the lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. And I'd rather it be in the hands of somebody else. But uh, yeah, okay. But Charlton, maybe we need the the Charlton Heston to come back uh, and and play the role of commissioner here and get yeah, something that's a done. Great idea. Because that that by the way was one of the greatest castings in, in the history of of film. I think Charlton Heston yeah. as the commissioner was fantastic. Yeah, of course. I mean, he can part the red seat, <laughs> which we need right now. I think. Yeah. Part okay. the red tape. I think is what we yeah. need. Hey, Dennis. Thanks again. I appreciate the time, man. Okay. You bet. you bet. Dennis Quaid. That was neat. That was fun. It's good to have him on the podcast. Hopefully he will take me up on the offer to come on to NFL Network. And I appreciate he's out there on Thursday nights watching us, enjoying us. And hopefully he will do that this fall. Gabe Feldman. want to thank him for giving us the, the up and down, left and right, in and out of this whole legal situation between the players and the league. And hopefully it won't be nearly as gnarly or as difficult to understand uh, as we move forward in this process, hopefully we did break it down in a very simple way for you to have uh, an idea as this thing moves through the courts about how it affects your fandom and your ability to watch football this fall. Always fun when Kara Henderson and uh, Charles Davis join the podcast. I also want to thank Tony Gonzalez as well. Uh, I want to thank Chris Law, and I also want to thank Mike Del Tufo. Uh, Chris is the producer of this podcast, and Mike is the sound man. Who, uh, who I believe is still watching an eagle on closed-circuit television and clearly needs a life. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen or on Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. I've been doing something called a video tweet chat every other week where you uh, tweet me questions at Rich Eisen and I respond in video. Uh, you can see all those videos at whosay.com slash Rich Eisen. W-H-O-S-A-Y dot com slash Rich Eisen. For the moment, though, that's me now signing off from this edition of the podcast. Stay listening, friends.